it's very um, revealing what he says about Francis. He, he's saying that he his agenda is getting more and more radicalized the more time passes. And uh, he actually said that his agenda is getting unveiled. Hey, my friends, there is something really shocking that happened last week that I don't know that many of you know about. The papal biographer, Peter Zewald, he's the one who did all the books with Pope Benedict and really fascinating deep dives into the life of Pope Benedict. He just came out with a scathing criticism of Pope Francis last week. And uh, we're going to do a deep dive into that. We have with us today our German correspondent, Andreas Weilza, as well as Jim Hale, who is uh, our senior correspondent, video correspondent, goes all over the place. And he's been able to do, uh, well, he did an in-depth reading of Peter Zewald's biography of uh, Pope Benedict. You're going to want to stay tuned for this episode of The John Henry Weston Show. Jim, Andreas, so good to have you on the show. John Henry, it's uh, it's such a pleasure to be here. I wish it wasn't for this occasion, um, but uh, it, it's good to be back with you, my friend. So let's begin, as we always do, with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, Andreas... If we could start with you, the coverage came out on LifeSite News uh, last week, last Friday, and uh, it was by Raymond Wolf. But you being German, the original interview came out with Kathnet, a German Catholic news service. Tell us your first impressions of the story and what really the news is here. Yeah, well, when I first read it, um, I wasn't sure maybe is this Archbishop Vigano writing or who is this? Because um, he used such a strong language of, of condemnation of what um, Pope Francis did. So he basically, the theme of the interview is that he, that um, Sewald is saying that Pope Francis is trying to destroy the legacy of his predecessor, Pope Benedict XVI. So that's what it's all about. And he, of course, being his official biographer, um, well, he knows a thing or two about Pope Benedict. He knows him maybe better, certainly better than most. And um, it's very um, revealing what he says about Francis. He, he's saying that he his agenda is getting more and more radicalized the more time passes. And uh, he actually said that his agenda is getting unveiled. So he also said, well, this seems to be that Francis was planning this from the beginning to undermine um, tradition and church teaching. And uh, it seems like to me, the uh, naming of the recent head of the congregation of the doctrine of the faith, uh, Archbishop Fernandez, was a watershed moment. Um, and that uh, Peter Seewald, who is the biographer who, who, who did the interview, realize that this is a watershed moment that's what it seems like to me because he talks about him a lot about the new archbishop and he's speaking out in a way that i think he hasn't spoken out before in that stark and strong language so yeah that's what it's about in a nutshell i think you know that here on LifeSite we love to tell amazing stories there are a few so heroic and amazing as the story we're about to tell you that's coming soon you gotta watch this. 
I was in seminary, I was reading a book by Henry Nouwen. He talked about a nuclear man, you know, and people who grew up in the 1980s were kind of formed by that immediate and constant threat of nuclear annihilation. My generation has grown up, you know, under the specter of priestly sexual abuse. What say you, Mr. Poor Person? Is the defendant guilty or not guilty? I think that for many of us, that has also been all-encompassing. You know, I mean, I entered the seminary in January of 2004, and it's basically been there for me from in the beginning. One priest's sacrifice for many priestly sins. The story of Father John Hollowell. Coming soon from LifeSite News. Okay, so, Jim, one of the things that struck me most about this interview was that Zewald describes, he almost attributes Pope Benedict's death to Pope Francis. He talks about Traditionis Custodis, the document which is basically against the Latin Mass. It undoes the very broad permissions for Latin Mass that Pope Benedict gave in Summorum Pontificum. He said it was a stab in the heart to Pope Benedict, and he says he sort of never recovered. Um, so, I mean, very strong words. You read Peter Zewald's uh, um, autobiographies of Benedict in depth. They're, they're vast and wide-ranging. They're very, very deep. Obviously, Zewald really not only admired, but considered uh, Pope Benedict a real friend and, and someone with who, who, you know, he just spent so much his life giving to him. It's amazing. Give me your impressions of uh, what you make of this new revelation. Well, John Henry, I think, first of all, it's important to understand who Zewald is, okay? This, he is not some fire-breathing conservative. I mean, he's a journalist, even a a secular journalist, um, very well respected. So he's certainly not, uh, you know, known as being, you know, some kind of hardcore traditional Catholic who hates Pope Francis, and, and, you know, when you read his uh, biographies, it's two volumes, two big volumes. Uh, the, the second volume just came out last year. You get a panorama of the Catholic Church in the 20th century. It is some of the best history writing there is. I, I mean, I, I think Zaval's credentials as a journalist and, um, and as— a, a confidant of Pope Benedict is is really, uh, you know, we're talking about somebody that's uh, deserving of a lot of respect here. And and in the biographies, he, you know, he 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 is not going after Pope Francis in in these biographies. So when I read Raymond Wolf's article, and I want to tell you right now, everybody needs to go on to LifeSite News and read. Raymond Wolf's article, because even in the English translation, Andreas talked about, you know, what he really said in in German. Uh, But wow, I was stunned. I I, I mean, that that he is making those kind of statements like this is a stab in the back. It you cannot um, underestimate or overestimate how significant that this is. Um, so, 
you know, I, I think it would be really, I, I would love to see uh, a lot of, you know, it was funny because, Johnny, when we were traveling in Germany, we went to see Princess Gloria last year, and then we took our, then when we were in Rome, I was, I was reading those biographies at that time, and I know I was driving you crazy because I kept telling you about, like, how awesome this book is and how wonderful it is, the great insights that he makes, but what that Zabald has is doing right now. I mean, this is something that commands attention. This is serious, um, and I believe he, he's absolutely right. The appointment of Fernandez to basically the number two man at the Vatican is beyond disgrace. The the takeaway there, Jen, that you said to understand that Zabald is no right wing you know, hardcore traditionalist at all. If anything, in another age, he might have been looked at as a liberal. Right. And yet even he sees we're in disastrous territory. Now, Andreas, one of the things that you said in the beginning, you were talking about how the new appointment of Fernandez, um, and he talks about the sort of dismissal of Cardinal Muller, is a new demarcation point, a new point of interest. Now, why this is interesting to me anyway, is also because in the world of the Vatican, if you will, the Germans hang out because they know one another. So Cardinal Muller was close with Pope Benedict and a lot of the German reporters get to be with both and they're sort of a fluid relationship as friends. And yes, he's a reporter. They're all in their official roles, but there's nonetheless a friendship. And so out from Zeewald, we get an understanding not only from, you know, his dealings with them on official ways, but all of these unofficial back and forth that they have. So we're really seeing something here of, you know, the experience of not only formal interviews, but also the informal uh, interactions. What do you make of that? Definitely. And um, he, so like you said, they were all Germans or Seewald and Pope Benedict and Cardinal Müller and also who appears in the interview, uh, Archbishop Georg Genswein, who was the private secretary of uh, Benedict. So they all appear there. And um, Seewald is basically saying that he is attacking all of them. Well, at least, mm -hmm. you know, Genswein and uh, Müller and Pope Benedict. So um, when, um, you know, Francis had this incredible quote when he appointed um, Archbishop Fernandez to the CDF, he said that the CDF used to, um, used to use immoral measures to sort of defend the doctrine of the faith. So, I mean, that's something incredible to say. And he, Sevard said that it certainly has to be interpreted as a slight towards both Cardinal Müller, who was appointed by Benedict and was CDF head until 2017, when Francis got rid of him. And of course, to uh, Pope Benedict himself, who was the head of the CDF for many years uh, under Pope John Paul II. So most of the things that uh, Pope Francis said uh, were sort of directed, according to Seewald, uh, against Cardinal Müller and um, um, Pope Benedict, sort of these this group of influential conservative Catholic leaders uh, in the church. So um, yeah, he was sliding them all 
it seems like uh, Francis yeah. was. So, yeah. What's truly stunning about that is that at least for traditional Catholics, even conservative Catholics, I don't think any of them would have thought that Cardinal Muller or Pope Benedict were as harsh as they should have been, were as strident as they should have been. In other words, most would have said, no, they were way too lenient. But they at least stopped, like the sexual abuse stuff. But they were pretty weak on allowing for heresy. You know, um, Father James Martin existed under the cardinalate of Cardinal Muller when he was still the head of the CDF. I'm sorry. He shouldn't be a priest, but he still was. So the argument can be made that he's way too lenient. But here they are being, um, you know, condemned as too right wing. Jim, you've read that book in detail. What do you make of this charge? Yeah, John Henry Zavall makes just that point you just made about Benedict when he was head of the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith, that, you know, he agonized over all those big doctrinal matters. And he upset a lot of conservatives. Um, you, there, there, there's no way that, that like, you could have accused Benedict of, you know, what, what was it, what was Francis's quote, that these were, you know, immoral? I, I mean, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> that is such a slander. I mean, that, that's the only way you, you can describe it. I mean, Zabald is, I, I'm really grateful to him because uh, can I just tell you, John Henry, how like personally this has impacted me? You know, I'm I'm a convert to the faith. My wife is a convert to the faith. We love being Catholic. I, like I knew who who Pope Francis was when I came into the church in 2018. Okay, and you know I look for every way I can to 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 love the faith. And you know that I'm always bugging you to go out and do positive stories and all that kind of thing so we can show the goodness and beauty of the faith. But, but when I read about Fernandez, you know, this is the guy who wrote the book called The Art of Kissing. And that's just the, you know, one little tiny bit of this man's heresy. Um, man, it, it's really been hard for me to... Um, to wrap my mind around this and what this means and to to uh, to try to how how can you defend the holy father doing this kind of thing i mean it's it's really it's really rough and i and i i have to confess to having experienced some some real spiritual darkness because of it i mean it it's 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 a blow <laughs> let me just say that Take a look at this. This is Cardinal Burke talking in 2017 about demonic forces entering the church at that time in 2017. Hard to believe that so long ago. This was given at Rome Life Forum, a conference that LifeSite has been running since 2014, actually. Do you know that we're running another one this year, October 31st and November 1st? That is right at the end of this horrific Synod on Synodality October 31st, November 1st, 2023. Come join us in Rome. Go to romelifeforum.com for more information. Watch Cardinal Burke give this snippet on demonic forces entering into the Vatican from his talk at Rome Life Forum 
in 2017. It seems clear from the most respected studies of the apparitions of Our Lady of Fatima that it has to do with the diabolical forces unleashed upon the world in our time and entering into the very life of the church. For the recovery of peace will be a gift from heaven, but it is not properly speaking the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Her victory is of another order, supernatural, and then temporal by addition. It will first be the victory of the faith, which will put an end to the time of apostasy and the great shortcomings of the church's pastors. So, how are we to understand this? There seems to be a very big split among the German hierarchy uh, there and then the German hierarchy now, uh, led, I guess you could say, by Cardinal Marx or the <laughs> Archbishop, now Cardinal Hollerich, things like these people who are just totally offside. Um, and then where is the sort of right wing? It seems that we have a middle to left group and then the far, far, far left group. Um, tell us about the Church of Germany, Andreas. Where are the true traditionalists anyway? Well, they're hard to find, I can tell you that, <laughs> at least among the sitting bishops. You know, we have mm -hmm. Cardinal Müller, who's um, become a very outspoken defender of, of the traditional faith. And, you know, Cardinal uh, Walter Brandmüller, who was one of the Dubia Cardinals, of course, like, um, and of course, the late um, Pope Benedict XVI as well. Um, but this is sort of the old generation that's not, you know, they're not active bishops. They don't have a diocese anymore now uh, in Germany. So if you look among active bishops, um, yeah, it looks very rough, to be honest. There's about, um, as you know, and as most Lifestyle readers know, probably between 70 and 80 percent of these bishops voted for heretical documents during the Sonoma Way. So you can say, well, at least 70 to 80 percent are at least complicit with heresy or actively pushing it either one of the two there's a lot of you know bishops who are just going along there's a group of you know going along to get along and some are actively pushing these heresies some some of them are the leaders like bishop betzing and uh bishop bold and several and others betzig right now is he not the head of the german bishops conference exactly yeah he's he's the leader and bishop bold he used to be the 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 co-president until he had to resign or he did, well he did resign he said it has nothing to do with the uh, accuses of uh covering up abuses in his diocese he said it has nothing to do with of course it not. well yeah i mean yeah I leave it up to everyone to interpret that however way they wish but um yeah so they are definitely the leaders so the the heretics and schismatics in the church are definitely uh, the leaders among um, the German bishops conference right now. And then there's a group of, you know, people who are just going along. Hmm. And then there is a group of maybe 20% to 25% who are against the synodal way, um, who would, who are now described as conservatives. But really, I mean, if you compare it to historical standards, these bishops are all still pretty liberal. I mean, they're just saying, okay, well, this is too much, actually, <laughs> you know? So even for them, that's too much. Um, but yeah, they're at least, you know, upholding um, Catholic teaching in that sense. Um, but even among those, many are still against the traditional Latin mass. So for instance, many restricted the traditional Latin mass, even though they're against the synodal way. So you can see they're not really traditional in that sense. Um, 
you know, there's only very few um, that I've heard about who secretly allow the Latin mass to continue in their diocese. And I, I, I don't think I should talk about it because if I do that, it will get, um, mm -hmm. they will get attacked by all the other bishops. So it is really, really rough in Germany right now. So it's just basically, you know, the faithful and um, some priests who are, you know, who are just upholding the traditional faith um, in Germany now. So this is actually an interesting thing. It goes back to a decision made or a change of heart, if you will, that a lot of the church hierarchy had after the Second Vatican Council. And uh, I know, Jim, you're actually well-read in this as well. It relates to a very definite decision to move away from condemnations, anathemas, from holding people to account. And remember, the church always does this for good reason, never to beat up on someone, to be nasty, always to call them back to the truth. It's a great act of charity. In fact, one of the spiritual works of mercy is to call the sinner back, to, to admonish, if you will. But it certainly seems to me anyway, like the church has basically left that idea of mercy in admonishing people and trying to encourage them back to the faith by telling them that they're wrong, it seems they've left that out. It, it's not politically correct. They've abandoned that. Jim, what are your thoughts? You know, uh, John Henry, uh, Zewald points out that although Benedict uh, never renounced Vatican II, and he he always affirmed the need for Vatican II, and there, you know, there's a lot to be said about that, he does point out that Benedict saw this thing slipping away actually in 1964, which I think was after the, the, the third meeting. He saw where this was going, and then later he did, he did acknowledge that, that things, uh, with, especially with the liturgy, that that's, that's where the, uh, the real momentum was heading. And I think you can, you can connect, you know, that to right where we are right now. Um, you know, it, it's really interesting. I mean, I haven't traveled in Europe extensively, but I, um, but in my time at LifeSite, I think I've been on the continent uh, four times. And, and you can really see, I mean, unlike here in the U.S., uh, or especially here like in the, Darling, uh, the, uh, the Diocese of Arlington, Virginia, we have a lot of really strong Novus Ordo parishes. Well, I don't. Andreas can can tell us more about that. But you don't you don't see a lot of that in in Europe anymore. So so their attempts to snuff out the Latin Mass in Europe really you have to see that as as their attempt to to really um, just apply the coup de gras to any form of Orthodox Catholicism in Europe. And now, you know, what is happening here? Stunning. Um, Andreas, you have there in, uh, in Germany anyway, I believe people are now referring it to it as the Neue Kirche or the regular Catholic Church. How does that spin out? Um, the faithful are recognizing it. They even have given it names. Well, certainly. I mean, even uh, Bishop Betzing, who is like like you mentioned, the head of the German Bishops Conference, even he alluded to uh, multiple times, just just very recently, uh, was just about to cover this that um, 
you know, we have to think the church differently. We have to found it in a new way. He's sort of making these insinuations at at uh, at a new church. Him, he himself is doing it, and I think for the for the faithful who are Orthodox, it's it's very it's clear as day that this is a different church that they are trying to set up. Um, no question about it. So you can say a lot of we call it the synodal church because you know they have the synodal way, and so called the synodal church versus the Catholic church. And uh, I think that's that's an accurate um, description of of what is going on. Well, I actually even mean among the faithful. So I've still got cousins in Germany and and uh, relatives who tell me that they are talking about things like, oh, that's a new church, church, um, <laughs> rather than just a regular Catholic church. So uh, do you find yourself among the faithful or not so faithful or, you know, just regular Catholics, are they themselves recognizing parish by parish what kind of church this is and uh, sort of designating that even in their language? Yeah, I would definitely say so. And this is not, you know, not just Novus Ordo versus traditional Latin Mass. I mean, mm -hmm. there is there are faithful um, Novus Ordo parishes, obviously. But then there are some that you know you basically cannot go to um, um, because, you know, you're going to have a heretical sermon or whatever. It's like, um, or now you have in many places in Germany, um, same-sex blessings in the church, right? Blessing of same-sex couples. So the practice is already, um, you know, that it's a, it's a different church. So I think local people always know, um, and that's also my experience, what parishes to avoid. And, you know, there's always these, um, you know, for me in Vienna as well, we have our few pockets of orthodoxy. You know, it's basically, it's easier to point to the churches that you can actually go to, or that they're good to go mm -hmm. to, than rather than eliminate those that you cannot go to, or you should not go to, because it's only a few pockets of orthodoxy, uh, unfortunately. Wow. Um in, in my experience, wow, that, I talked to so, others in Germany. Yeah, that's stunning, and that that's really, oh, what a shame! I there's a great app. Jim knows this because every time we go somewhere, I go to daily mass, and so does Jim. And so we hunt uh, for where wherever we are for the daily mass times. There's a great app called Mass Times. It's awesome. It tells you when, what day, you know, gets you to mass anytime, anywhere, anywhere in the world. Uh, the problem is if so many of the faith uh, of the of the churches are unfaithful, are are heretical now. It really, boy, we need a, a like mass times to designate. Well, yeah, this is a, a a new church community or whatever you want to call it. Stunning, Jim, your take. I think it's important to to point out. I just talked about the the diocese that I live in in Arlington, Virginia. We have forty nine priests in formation. We just ordained eight awesome, great young men. That gives you confidence. But, you know, I can drive an hour from here. And last month, you know this, we covered a rainbow mass in the di the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. Stood out there on the sidewalk, and we had a rosary with the tradition family and property, a rosary of reparation for this taking place, you know, in the nation's capital where uh, you know, Cardinal... With the blessing of Cardinal Gregory. Car Cardinal Gregory presides. And who is Cardinal Gregory? Um, when he was installed as bishop, he had on the altar with him none other than Roger Mahoney and Cardinal Wuerl. 
Um, so, you know, and, and who are these two men? Let, let's just be blunt about it. Um, these are men who protected child rapists for years. Hello, friends. To celebrate the momentous overturning of Roe v. Wade, we at LifeSite have minted just under 10,000 of these brand new limited edition pro-life silver rounds. Now, each round is stamped with the image of the Supreme Court of the United States featuring the date that the High Court delivered this historic victory. And on the front of our pure silver rounds, LifeSite's logo surrounded by a brilliant sunburst and draped with olive branches. They, of course, commemorate our 25-year anniversary of LifeSite News. We began in 1997 in September, so September of 2022 was 25 years. These one ounce silver rounds are available from our partners at stjosephspartners.com where you can fulfill all of your silver and gold needs in this perilous time. May God bless you. It's true. It's truly stunning. You know, this idea of a false mercy, a, you know, um, we don't want to condemn anybody that attitude, which now was extended toward pro-abortion politicians like Nancy Pelosi, oh, please come and receive communion, or, or towards, you know, homosexual activists or transgender individuals or whatever, under the guise of mercy, it's not merciful at all. You're allowing them to go down the highway to hell, the easy road. And so it's really an act of hatred. But you got to think of this. That same merciful attitude was extended first to the sex abusers among the clergy. So it was like, yeah, we don't need... Remember the famous thing that we already alluded to earlier. Cardinal Daniels, who was... He was probably the first high-ranking prelate in the Catholic Church caught on tape uh, doing cover-up for sexual abuse, when, if anybody doesn't remember... He sat there with a sexual abuse victim who was actually recording the conversation. And um, this sexual abuse victim was abused as a child by his uncle, who was a bishop friend of Cardinal Daniels. And Cardinal Daniels can be heard on tape telling him not to uh, go after the um, bishop now. He's going to retire next year. Look to your own sins, he said. And so that's a major cover-up of abuse, caught on tape, still allowed. But this whole Church of Mercy thing, when you're dealing out mercy in that way, basically covering up for the evil, wallpapering over it so that all of it stays there and still festers, doesn't allow them to be cleansed and to embrace Christ and his truth, is not mercy at all. It's actually a form of, if you will, hatred. If you think about the eternal realities, you're, you're encouraging people down the road to hell rather than calling them to repentance, the love of Christ, which leads to eternal bliss. Yeah, well, you're right. Um, it's not really merciful, like you said, uh, to uh, ignore the sins of people and to not point them um, to redemption and to call them to redemption, which which is you know, the calling of, of every Catholic, but especially, you know, the bishops and priests and the Pope, um, first and foremost. And, um, you know, to get back to the Peter Sevard interview, he alluded to that as well, that Pope Francis likes to style himself as this Pope of mercy, but he, he really, he's an authoritarian. That's what Sevard said. So that, again, very, very strong words of condemnation. So he's very 
authoritarian in, on how he deals with things in in inside, but outside he just presents himself as this um, merciful pope uh, while undermining the faith and not pointing people um, to their sins and, and to redemption, especially, of course, today, sexual sins. I mean, that's the big, the big, biggest issue in the church today that he's trying to undermine. And he's never calling people on redemption for that. You know, his famous statement, who am I to judge? And all the call, all the, you know, confusion that he caused in, in that regard. Now, that's actually a very interesting point, because... While this kind of false mercy or whatever, th this approach, a sort of a, a laissez-faire kind of approach, accept everything and anything, is probably true of a lot of people. Even you could say you could criticize Benedict allowed for too much, or even Cardinal Muller, or even, even Pope John Paul in some ways, allowed for too much you know, in an understanding perhaps of a mercy and wanting to be nice to people and so on. In a way, you're exactly right. That's actually not true of Francis. Francis actually has dealt in... If you were doing it the right way, you would say properly. But it's in the opposite direction. So he's gotten rid of Cardinal Burke, of Cardinal Muller, of Archbishop Genswein sort of in a way that is stunningly dismissive. Even Cardinal Sarah, just gone you go. We're, we're not waiting. We're not going to give you a special post higher up to kick you out as we, you know, raise your profile. No, no, no. That was the old way. Francis is about cancellation. In the way cancellation should be done against heretics, except he's playing on the other side. So that's a stunning observation. Truly, truly fascinating. Well, um, <laughs> it's, it's an unbelievable journey to see what has come of this. We got to pray for, you know, Peter Zewalt and many of these folks who you couldn't really call them right wing at all, but they're coming to see the severity of what's going on in the Vatican right now. Andreas, thank you so much for being with us, Jim. Thank you. God bless you both. And God bless all of you. And we'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this program. To see more like it, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. Check the links in the description to read more and connect with us on social media so that you can stay up to date with all the latest life, family, faith, and freedom news. Thanks for watching, and may God bless you.